Hello, everybody, and welcome to the live hump day edition of Heading Back to the Window. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Heading Back to the Window. Why Heading Back to the Window? Because that's where you have to go to cash those winning tickets. It's just that easy. You guys give us... We used to say, give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Now it's like, give us half an hour, 40 minutes if we're feeling windy, and we'll have you out of here. We'll have you with the winners. No muss, no fuss. So thanks for joining us. Of course, we are live, so that means if you guys have any questions, comments, plays for tonight that you want to share with the class, by all means, put those up there because we'd uh, love to hear from you, love to have the interaction, et cetera, et cetera. Scott, how are you today, buddy? Doing pretty well, by the way, as much as I actually love the title of the of the new title of the show, there's an app for that. So you might not actually need to head to a window at all. Okay, well, fair enough. That's Just keep that in mind. Really, man? I know. Really? I, I figured if it's the first time we're, we're the actually me- throwing out the title, I got to just make a joke to sabotage the whole thing. But all I'm, the I'm meetings, happy about it. All the meetings we have about the changes, the title, you say nothing. Oh, great. Great idea. Oh, I love the title. First 30 seconds we're on the air. I got a beef with the title. You got to start somewhere, man. Jesus. Got to start somewhere. It's only up from here. (laughs) All right. Well, it is good to be here. A couple things we're going to keep the same. And one of those things is to find out the people that maybe got cranked on the wrong side of a beat last night. You know who you are. I've got one in mind, and I bet we uh, see that one pretty quickly. Scott, let's find out who got ripped off and who has to call those caps. All right, my friend, as promised, we are going to start with probably the most obvious one of the day, and this is in the major leagues, the American League Championship Series, the ALCS to its friends. You had action on this game. I did have action on this game, Scott. I had it as a premium play, and we'd been cold cold on the premium side i'm not afraid to say it and i don't i don't uh i share my victories and i share when i'm cold and we have been ice cold over the last week or so on premium so and we'd already lost we'd already lost the first game we had the dodgers in the under there as uh damn bellinger uh yeah don't even get me started there so we we needed this win scott and it wasn't looking good if you had the astros red Sox under 10 you were looking good because they had a, it was two to one after seven. It was two to two after eight, after eight, top of the ninth, two outs, one man on, two strikes, throws a pretty good pitch, Scott. Uh, nope, that's a ball. And then the hit parade began, and the Astros scored seven runs with two outs in the top of the ninth. They went from seven to two. To nine to two. If you had the over 10, like we did, you were dancing on the table. If you had the under 10, time to call the cops. Still a little bit fascinated by Boston's decision to bring Yavaldi out of the bullpen, which I wasn't really sure why they went that in that direction, but sure, whatever works out for an over. Anyway, by the way, by the way we have our first commenter, Nathan Cerna says it's an honor. No, sir, it's an honor to have you as the first as a first commenter. So welcome aboard. Shout out to you for being the first. Absolutely. Welcome aboard. Go ahead, buddy. Sorry. So looking at the second one, if you had the Jets on the money line, don't worry, not football. Some some people might have actually had this bet. If you had Winnipeg on the money line against Minnesota, they led by two goals with five minutes to go. Usually you're in good shape. 
The Wild ended up tying the game with 59 seconds left. And once your team blows a lead like that, you know you're not winning in overtime. And the Wild won in overtime. Scott, if you had the Braves on the money line, if you would have listened to me on our bet the farm segment instead of um, you talking me into going the way we went, this would have been us. If you had the Braves money line plus 160, I was hating on you for eight innings, buddy, thinking that we made a bad call because well, for, for about seven innings. What's that? For about, about seven innings. About seven innings, right? Well, seven and a half. All right. So uh, Braves were up five to two, heading into the bottom of the ninth. Dodgers scored four in the bottom of the eighth, including, as we alluded to earlier, the three-run Kurt Gibson-esque shot by Cody Bellinger, he of the 165 previous average in the playoffs as he cranked a pitch well out of the strike zone. Battered his forehead, maybe his neck. Yep. Braves lose five to four, covered the run line. And I think uh, that's ultimately what's important. But if you had the money line there, so sorry, call the cops. But some people didn't have to worry about that. Some people did not have to worry about that. Absolutely correct. So the other side of call the cops, these are the nice, easy wins. There was a few of them out there, Scott. Opening day in the NBA, a couple of things in the MLB. So let's find out who was sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was in the first game of the NBA season. If you had the Bucks minus one and a half against the Nets, you led by 12 after one, you led by 12 after three, and you won by 23. So the Nets really didn't put up much of a fight. They cut it to, I believe, seven on occasion, but Milwaukee was basically coasting the entire way through. Holiday got injured midway through the game. Didn't even matter. Giannis was unstoppable, and the Bucks won easily. And you also had a recommendation of Giannis over, what was it, 30 and a half? Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. But, 49. yes, it was 29 okay. and a half. Very, well, very good. All right. So, if you had the San Jose Sharks last night, a nice price, 3 to 2, plus 150. Playing the Canadiens, the Habs, if you will. They were a bit of the Hab Nuts yesterday, Scott, because the Sharks led 3 to Zippo after one period. They ended up winning 5 zip. Hard to win when you don't score. Sorry, Canadiens because the Sharks and their backers were sitting in the rocking chair. And the last one was also in hockey. If you had the Stars and Penguins under five and a half, you had two goals entering the third period, zero goals in the third, and you could watch overtime in the shootout for fun. Stars ended up winning two to one in a shootout. Very nicely done. Uh, Well, you know, there were some questionable decisions and performances yesterday, Scott, but we, uh, we have narrowed it down and we have decided who should be wearing it the golden feedback for our inaugural show here. Well, let's find out who it is in this, this version of Donkey of the Day. I let it go the full way this time. I'd been cutting it short, but just, just for the opening day version, I just let it go all the way. I respect it. All right, and I know this. I th- I know this one hits particularly hard for you. You were you were outraged by this. I wasn't as outraged, but I'll I'll let you share your rage. So for this one, we're going to give it to the Braves manager Brian Snicker. Now, of course, the Braves ended up losing uh, a chance to go up 3-0 in that series, and the reason why was because they let Luke Jackson pitch to Cody Bellinger. Now Jackson had been struggling. Uh, He had guys on first and second, of course. He had a couple of two-strike counts, wasn't able to close the deal. But Bellinger, 
in his career had pretty good numbers against Jackson. He was one for two with three walks. So the question that I have for you is that Bellinger is the tying run in a situation where if you win the game, I don't want to say the series is basically over because a Yankees fan, 3-0 still gives me nightmares, but you're feeling pretty good. Do you really want your pitcher facing a batter when the batter has an 800 on base percentage against the guy on the mound? I probably don't. And of course, Bellinger hit the three-run homer. Then they ended up losing the game anyway because Chavez came in, gave up the Mookie Betts double. I just can't believe they let Jackson pitch to a guy who had an 800 on base percentage against him. Didn't really seem like a smart move to me. Okay, so the part that I don't quite share your outrage is the fact that when you say the 800 on base percentage is if it's some sort of uh, thing over the over the years of a massive um, accumulation of at-bats that this guy just owns Luke Jackson. And how many at-bats does that 800 comprise of, Scott? A uh, very nice five. Five. That's right. Well, five, technically five. Two legal at-bats. But five, five plate appearances, two, yeah. two at-bats, right. He was one for two in at-bats with three walks. So how many home runs had he hit? Uh, I believe it was uh, zero. Okay. So... You know what? And the other thing is, it's not like he grooved a fastball right down the middle. Oh, no. The pitcher's at his forehead. I'm, yes, I Bellinger's just... a high ball hitter, but that redefined high ball right there. There's... Would you agree, though, that Jackson was already showing signs that he was struggling? Because I feel like if he was dealing kind of like Jansen in the ninth, I mean, holy crap. I mean, <laughs> he looked unbelievable in the ninth inning. But it wasn't like Jackson was blowing past hitters. Dodgers guys were making contact. It didn't really seem like he had his A stuff. You kind of just compound the issue. But for me, I feel like you could have went in another direction. Yep. Of course, hindsight makes it look even worse because the home run makes a Syndicate look like an idiot. But I do kind of question the idea when they showed the graphic one for two, three walks. I did think maybe you should bring in another guy. All right. that's And that's fair enough. And you're certainly justified for your opinion because that's the way it worked out. So I do want to say, uh, I do want to say, hey, a couple of people that have joined us here. We counting money over here. One of my favorite names is, is in the house. What's up? Uh, Ramon Scott asked the very, very logical question. Hey, Scott S's nickname is Slick. I still don't know who changed that. I don't that know. That was how- funny, by the way. One day, you, I just got a Zoom uh, request to join the meeting. And it said, Slick wants to join the meeting. And I thought, who the hell is this? Somebody 100% fucking with me because you know, you know me and my technical abilities. I have no way, shape, or form to ch- change that. And if I was going to change it, it wouldn't be slick. So it was either your son or your wife. So one of, one of the one of the two. Uh, Bog Bog TV says Astros for the win tonight. Uh, that would be fantastic for my uh, Astros to win the American League uh, pennant. So, That's right. Yeah. You actually picked up like a half double winner there yesterday because you're one yeah. win closer to potentially winning the ALCS. That's right. That's right. Uh, R. Bragg says, I can honestly remember my first walk to the window eight years old with my late father, Cashnar, winning uh, exact a ticket at some small trotter track where it all started. Love the title and the content. Thank you very much, Mr. Bragg or Ms. Bragg, as the case may be. Yes, a lot of people have fond memories of walking back to the window to catch the tickets at the horse track. My kids don't have those memories. They have a lot of memories of me going, son of a bitch, really? And just ripping up the ticket. So my, uh, what my, was your go-to catchphrase trying to yell at the horse down the final stretch? Uh, uh, you know, Were I don't you a get on your horse kind of, kind of guy, move your ass. What were you rolling with? 
uh, I'm a more of a now. Dig? Now. Were you a yeah. dig guy? Yeah, I, I've used I've used dig. Uh, open it up. Open, open it, it up. up is a classic. That's a classic yeah. one to use. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and Bill McDonald wants to know we're going to play the over again. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be in the Astros Red Sox game. Scott, how do you feel about that sale uh, going for the uh, for the Red Sox against uh, Frambert Valdez for over or under two two and two thirds of work for sale over there, who's been really struggling. It's you know it's weird. He's another he's another guy like Granky that pitched pretty well during the season. Of course, his season got started really late. Yeah, but he had pitched pretty well up until about what the last four appearances, and he just like he just fell off the cliff. I think it's a little bit tricky when it comes to the overs. Of course, you can't really go against the over based on how the series has gone. So it would be over or pass. But it kind of, it's kind of what happened with you when you liked the Boston team total, and the logic was Granky's been terrible. Right, he's only going to go an inning or two, it, and he did. And the bullpen was nails. It went exactly the way I wanted it to go. Grinky went an inning and a third, got four outs. And it was terrible. This, dude, you got this bullpen that had pitched 20 and a third innings out of 20 out of 26 possible innings in the first three games. It's that's that's beyond a taxed bullpen. I was like, that's perfect. They got to cover eight and two thirds or seven and two thirds with the bullpen. I am money on that play. But the logic is if you think that sale might go short, do you have faith in Boston's bullpen? Now they burned a decent amount of guys yesterday. Yep. So I don't exactly think they have many options for long relief, especially since they used Javaldi out of the bullpen. So that's also one starter you can't use along with Pavetta. So I would look at the over there, but if you want to take a prop and solely fade sale, I don't mind run first inning. If you think one of these guys goes yard over the monster. Yeah, that's that's very solid. I especially like with sale being a lefty, you know that Houston's going to stack the lineup with righties. We got a question, of course, about the side. You got you got to pick on that on the side in that game. Ah, uh, which which disappointing pitcher is going to be least disappointing? That's that's the thing. It's very tricky when it comes to how much you value momentum in baseball because I don't really value it at all. No, I think we saw based on what happened in yesterday's game, we just thought Boston would probably win it after they had a grand slam and basically I don't know every inning what it felt like, <laughs> and yet Houston didn't give a damn. They won the game anyway. I'm sure most people like Boston there. Do you think that Boston responds to the absolute implosion in the ninth? The answer is maybe. Nobody knows, especially in baseball. About, it's all about the pitchers. The pitchers set the tone for the momentum. If if if, if Valdez sucks and, and the and the Red Sox put up two runs or three runs in the first inning, fuck, they got they got the momentum. And the same thing the other side around the other. Do side. you want to know my thoughts? I'm taking plus money. I feel like that's the approach. If you think any given game yep. is 50 50 between yep. between these teams, which I really do. I thought the series was going seven. I believe we've said that going into the actual series. I thought, I thought it'd be a long one. I thought it'd be a war just because both lineups are so talented. I figured that they would eventually find success. Give me plus money with Houston because I really don't want to lay one thirty with sale. I'm with you. I'm with you there. And uh, real quick, and I know we, we can't respond to every, we uh, love all the responses. Number one, somebody thanks us for the, pre the Presbyterian, the fade Presbyterian trend. Even, even though I kind of recommended on my video that I got off of it last week, I was a little scared about how bad this Davidson team was. Didn't matter. 70, Davidson scored what, 70? 70. 70-35, doubled them up. And nice. any quick thoughts on Bama first half minus 14? Uh, the only you thing were, I know you, is that you were, the, you were on the revenge anger spot last week over Mississippi State. That paid off. You got a thought this week? Of course. I like Bama. You okay. look at Tennessee. I know they lost the heartbreaker to Ole Miss, but Hooker got injured late in the game Milton ran at a bounce on a Hail Mary attempt because he really just didn't understand common sense with clock management 
You ever seen a, a quarterback run out of bounds with no time left on the clock when his team's down like four? No. no. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But the thing is, we saw in the beginning of the year, Milton was the starter. They switched over to Hooker, which I said they should have done before the season started because Hooker's better. With Hooker banged up, I do think Tennessee's significantly worse. That defense is not very good. I got to assume Bama rolls, don't you? I, I certainly am not betting against him. With Joe Milton potentially behind center, Bama even more. Yeah, this is uh, this has been except for that win over Mizzou. This has been a pretty underwhelming year for Tennessee, and uh, yeah, I'm just not I'm not feeling it. By the way, according to uh, Bill McDonald, the Red Sox need to need to learn how to walk Altuve. I agree. I heard Chapman needs to learn the same thing too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the NBA. I know you were uh, you were excited to see your your Nets play last night. Well, I was uh, before the game started. Yeah, and are they going to be able to? Are, are, is there any value on the Nets at this point without Kyrie? No. Uh, now, when it comes to actual title winning, I don't think there's value because I think if they struggle early on, you might see the price go up at some point during the season. I don't think the price is going down at any point unless Kyrie decides to get vaccinated at some point midway through the season which I think we would agree based on just his personality is not exactly likely to happen. Let's Seems put it like that the way. Heels are dug in pretty good, buddy. So I'm assuming Kyrie's going to be out for the whole year. So no, I don't think that you're going to see the price drastically drop. I think it's going to, if it's going to go anywhere, it's going to go up, but I'm not going to overreact to one loss. I'm more concerned for the Lakers. I told you I liked Golden State in the money line yesterday because the Lakers were over in preseason. Westbrook looked completely lost with the current system. And if we were doing mad and disappointed, Right. for today's show it would be Westbrook because he was atrocious there's really no other way to put it he was a complete lost cause you know usually we make fun of some guy when we roast him on the show they go out and have a great game we always say oh he must be a big fan of the show and he's listening Westbrook obviously never heard the show because you just he was uh, terrible you yesterday. obliterated him before the show about how bad he was at yeah. reason particularly he, he went out there like you never even said it Scott like he wasn't even listening I'm just saying if you have a big three and two of the three guys score 31 points and you're about a negative 28 anyway and plus minus, mm -hmm. you're kind of the problem. And Westbrook yeah. was a complete liability that entire game. You know, that was that was a game that was really about kind of and kind of the benches as well. I think Golden State got, what, 63, 67 from their bench? Uh, yeah, it definitely was not because Curry shot the ball well. He shot the ball terribly. But had you know a, what his price was? Had, in a, tri triple had double? a triple double and missed his PRA. Do you know what that uh, price was for triple double? For the triple double? For Curry, I don't. On FanDuel, 90 to 1. 90 to 1? 90 to 1. That would have been a nice hit. That's a pretty nice hit right there. But the point is, Curry couldn't shoot the ball at all. Draymond was limited in minutes. Wiggins was limited in minutes. Clay's obviously not there. Wiseman's obviously not there. They still scored 120-plus points, and they won the game. Yep. The Lakers have some problems. Yep, they do. They do indeed. What do you see on tonight's card that you like? Well, looking at the overall uh, – we'll start with – uh, you want to start basketball or baseball? You know what? Let's do let's do baseball. Let's talk real quick about that football game too. Okay. So for baseball, we, I already we, mentioned Houston. Yep. Yep. What uh, do you got in the uh, the Dodgers and the Braves? Now we've got late word from one of our contacts that the, they seem to be Braves seem to be leaning towards the uh, a bullpen game because we inside still, information we still have no word of the starter for the Braves at this point. Uh, you think Urias even goes five because they've also sprinkled them in the bullpen. Mm hmm. It's probably a four inning outing, don't you think? I would think I would think so. You know, and my thought was when when I did my video, I thought it was going to be freed because normally in a seven game series, you have 
your ace, which in this case, it's kind of 1A and 1B with Freed and Morton, but you would have Freed available to go one, four, and seven, pitching four and seven on four days rest. Freed, over his career, funny fact, actually has better numbers on four days rest than he does on five days rest. So, I don't know how big the sample size is on that, but that's still fascinating. Um, a fair amount of starts. I mean, it's uh, 60 starts probably. Yeah, I mean, they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years, so I'm sure he has a lot of experience. So that would be that, – that's I, I figured that was a no-brainer. I thought the Braves, Braves were playing games when we, overnight we had no starter name. But Well, the as, logic, obviously, for a seven is you use the guy for one, four, and seven. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what you do. You, you bring him back four and seven on four days rest each. Mm. I don't know, Scott. I'm old. I remember when they used to – I remember when Madison Bumgarner ran out there and pitched every day. It felt that way. For you personally, because you had to witness that. So we're laying a ton of money with the Dodgers, minus 220. I'm going back to the well. I'm taking the Braves plus one and a half. I mean, I don't know how I'm not supposed to. We talked about it yesterday. Spoiler alert, uh, that was our farm play, and we won. We believe – I believe we said the last four meetings. Anger. I believe the last four meetings we said were decided by exactly one run. Yep. Now it's five. Now it's five. And the Dodgers, of course, as the home team, the main logic I mentioned in the, the actual breakdown was if the Dodgers are up eight, you're going to have one less at bat to worry about. And it's exactly what happened. So you have one less at bat. You're laying a bunch of juice. Urias didn't even look that sharp when he pitched earlier in the series, came out of the bullpen. Yep. And the yep. Braves kind of just teared him to shreds. Gave up two, run, two runs that he was charged with in one inning. Yeah. Give me the plus one and a half because I think the Dodgers are going to win the series in the end. I think they're going to win in six or seven. But I do think the Braves have proven time and time again they're good enough to compete with this team. And the Dodgers are priced like complete world beaters. They really haven't looked like it. They've really had to claw for all the playoff wins that they've had up to this point, or at least for most of them. Yep. And believe it or not, the power numbers of these teams almost identical. Yeah. So it's a it's a lot closer matchup than you think if you can if you can conquer the LA pitching. So But if you're looking at a potential plus one and a half and you're not having to lay one forty or like one fifty, I think you gotta be tempted by it, don't you think? Sure. No, and, and last I saw, it was minus 110. Yeah, I see minus 110, minus 115. Until the Dodgers actually beat this team by multiple runs, I'm going to keep going back to the well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go counterintuitive. I'm going to play the over here. Okay. Give me a four-four give me a, give me a, four, give me a four, four winner. Can we acknowledge how dumb that idea was, by the way, to have an afternoon game in L.A. with basically nobody there because of the traffic? How are you supposed to get to a game at 2 o'clock in Los Angeles time? You take the afternoon off, man. Sure. I'm sure a lot of people can afford to take the afternoon off. I just found it interesting, and people are going, well, where are the people? The attendance is atrocious. I'm like, have you ever tried driving in California? You're lucky you got that many people in the ballpark. Not ideal. Pack pack a lunch if you're going to make that drive. Yep. Um, Now we have a game that, man, if they'd have had this last week, would have been a lot of hype around this game, Scott, as Coastal Carolina takes on Appalachian State. Appalachian State, Appalachian State. What do you say? Uh, I say Appalachian. Fair enough. Uh, Coastal Carolina, five-point favorites. It opened up opened up three and a half. There's been the chance money coming in there. Total opened up 59. It's up to 61, 61 and a half at Billy Hill. Now, my question for you quickly is, I know we like to always try to view what the spread would have been mm-hmm. had the results been different in the previous week. Yep. I was really surprised this opened up at three, three and a half, not because I don't think this game's going to be close, but because Appalachian had a complete no show on TV against Louisiana. 
I really thought the market would just overreact and price Coastal closer to five or six to start. Of course, you know, the betters took care of it. They ended up betting on Coastal. But do you think that Coastal should be this big of a favorite? Because I just find the line fascinating where Appalachian had a complete no-show, and yet it's still opened up at three and a half. I find that a little bit tricky. You right. Agreed. Hey, uh, before we roll, you want to thank Nathan Cerner for the kind words for you? Uh, yeah, sure. A uh, shout out to Nathan for, uh, well, praising my picks over the last couple of years. Happy we both got to make some money over the, well, pretty much since I joined the actual uh, network. And I'm glad we got to cash the Giannis over with his points yesterday. Yep, very good. So as far as this Coastal game, Scott, I, I actually think there's still some value on, on the chance there. I, I think this is a team, I think this Appalachian State is a decent, solid Slightly better than average team. I think some of the reputation plays into the actual spread. That's absolutely true. And I just don't think people are buying this coastal team quite yet. Um, we've been on them. We've, we've, we've patted ourselves on the back before we were on them early last season and they've, and they've done well for us. Markets are catching up a little bit. I still think there's, I think still think there's value on coastal here, Scott. And it, it could be, it could be a, a, a real big trap, uh, but I just, I just, have to like the, the better team i i like what they do with the running game and i like what they do on defense two things that they don't talk about enough they're very very balanced which i do think is important plus the defense i do think is undervalued appalachian i am not gonna lie i had louisiana team total under in the game uh, against appalachian because i figured uh, app would control time possession i thought the run defense would do pretty well and levy lewis good quarterback not exactly a big play guy so I figured you'd see a low-scoring, grinded-out game that we usually see between these two. Appalachian defensively was atrocious. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. You're down 20 to nothing after a quarter. That's not exactly a good look. Now, I do think Coastal has another advantage, which is the fact they didn't play last week. The last time they played was against Arkansas State. I had the team total over on that, so that worked out well. But I do think the extra five days before traveling to Boone and having to play a tough conference game does give them an advantage, don't you think? I totally, I totally agree. Anytime you can have that off week, and of course, App State played a big, tough game last week against Louisiana. It wasn't even just a big, uh, tough game. It was a huge, big, tough game that turned into a massive letdown spot. I am curious if any emotions roll over there where you think you're a team that's very good. You've owned this team historically and you lay one of the bigger eggs that you've laid in the last couple of years. Certainly in conference play, no question about it. This, this to me, this is this game is going to come down on to which team can run the ball. Because, yeah. you know, App State, despite the fact they were getting blown out by Louisiana last last week, still ran the ball more than they passed it, which is just that's it, it, it tells you how much confidence they have um, in their in their QB. Spoiler alert, not much. Definitely true. Uh, by the way, to address one comment from uh, Alvaro Jimenez, yes, the show is going to be taking place at around 3 p.m. in the afternoon from now on. Yep, that's that's it. That's what we're going to be shooting for Monday through Friday. Um, Chase Bryce, Scott, nobody's thrown more interceptions in the last two years than Chase Bryce. I'm shocked. He was always really, really good with ball security. That's yeah, why he's it, been at, what, four different schools in the 15 last for, five 15 years? for Duke last year, five for App State this year. So they're trying to limit the exposure of Chase Bryce. So they're going to want to run the ball. They should limit the exposure. He's not very good. That's what I'm saying. So I think, pretty- the, I think the main difference is between the quarterbacks. You mentioned the running game, which, of course, App's going to need to do. We're still not sure how healthy Peoples actually is. Right. That's kind of, you know, remain to be seen. But if they need to throw, 
either side, who do you trust more? Do you trust McCall or do you trust Bryce? Because I believe everybody listening to this, including us, would take McCall 10 times out of 10. I want to I want to share a couple of unbelievable stats in the way they match up with each other. Okay. Um, Grace McCall leads college football in completion percentage. It's the highest, the highest since at least 2009. It's about 71%. Okay. Yep. Also leads college football in yards per attempt, and it's not even close. Are those the most, the two most unbelievable stats together? That you've James ever... wishes he had those stats. Oh my God! Yeah, dude, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's because usually you get guys that ha- you think of completion percentage. You think of guys that are showing throwing short. You think of Breeze possession type passes, right? And to lead in in completion percentage and yards per attempt, that just it blows my mind. It tells you how good this Grayson McCall kid is, and he is not getting enough love on the national stage. Now, to push back a little bit on Coastal, they really haven't played anybody. That's the argument. So you do have to wonder if they're going to struggle in this hostile environment, which they might to start. I'm just not sure how good App actually is. Because they were close against Miami, but what does that even mean anymore? We found out Miami is so yeah, I've, I, so give me your give me your out the door. What's your what's your pick on that, buddy? I'm going with Coastal. I do think if you want to take a sprinkle on at money line, I wouldn't necessarily hate it because I do think that if Coastal's going to win, I can see a bit of a route. But I do think if it's close with the home field, I think App State's going to win. I know yeah. that sounds a little bit contradictory, right? But I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think Coastal either just floors them, or App keeps it close and finds a way to win. And you have a thought on the total. I like the under, which I know sounds a little bit odd because you're talking about offenses that are really good. It's the pace for me because yep. App loves to run the ball. They love to hold the ball. And against Coastal, they kind of need to because this Coastal offense is good. But Coastal is one of these odd teams that scores a bunch of points but plays at such a slow pace. Is that, I was, that's, the other freaky, that's the other freaky stat. 65.8 plays per game, 114th in the country. Second in points scored 42.2 behind only Ohio State. See, the point is that with totals that are high in the 60s, you need a obviously touchdowns, duh, sure. but you also need quick drives. Hang on, I'm writing this down. And I don't think you're going to get many quick drives because I think you're going to see both teams try to run the ball, yep. set up third and twos, stuff like that. And if you get a, lo- a long five minute drive that results in a field goal and by the way, in case you didn't know, Sunbelt pickers, not very reliable. So you might see a couple of missed kicks, and at that point, you're over. Might, might just be dead. I like. I think. I think. I think Grayson McCall throws one or two home run balls. But for uh, yeah, could part, be. For the most part, I think you're right about the grinder drives. Yeah, that's how I see it. I think, especially in conference play, you're going to see a lot of running clock in the fourth quarter if it's a one possession game and one team is praying to run off as much time as you possibly can. Yep, absolutely right. So give me a couple, give me a couple of NBA plays that you that you're digging on. So for the NBA, of course, you got a pretty large card, but not every team is playing. For some reason, you have the Mavericks and company that still aren't playing. But looking at the actual matchup here, I find the Knicks game fascinating because originally Jalen Brown was supposed to not play. Now he's the last minute addition where he's going to play. Horford's going to be out though. I'm tempted by the Knicks at home though. Because I'm really not sure how good the Celtics actually are. They changed a decent amount of their personnel during the offseason. They picked up Schroeder. They picked up some other guys. They switched head coaches. 
I think Stevens is still a good coach, so I think they downgraded there. Do you think the Knicks were a flash in the pan, or do you think that this team is actually decent? Because I actually don't mind the offseason they had. No, I think I think they were okay. I what I want to see is I want to see how they how they gelled together, not just on the offensive side. I want to see if they were able to keep up the uh, the defensive pressure that they had last season. Of course, they got Mitchell Robinson back health wise. They might be missing Noel, but Robinson being a solid rim protector definitely helps because he missed a decent portion of the season right. because of injury. But people keep trying to tell me this Boston team is supposed to be really really good because you have Tatum and you have Brown and they're both these really good players and they are. I'm not Wait, saying they're they not. From, are they people from Boston? <laughs> is the overall roster actually that good? Because they strike me as a team that's going to finish the season somewhere between six and eight yeah, in right. terms of seeding. That's what that's what I see from this team. You know, um, you know, I might put them a little higher than that. I might put them in the in the four or five range with, if everything goes right. But okay, but yeah. I think the Knicks are actually decent. Of course, MSG for the opener. You know, the crowd's into it. I think that spreads a little low. I'm looking at the Knicks minus one and a half. You? Okay. I, I, I like the under here. I, I like the under 216 and a half until the Knicks go out and show me they can't play defense for this season. So Taking an under with Thibodeau. Bold. Very, very bold. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, Well, we're saving one play for later. I gave out a personal play on YouTube, but I can just say it now. I got the Raptors minus oh. two and a half against Washington. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the first game in Canada, a regular season game, since February of 2020. I'm all in on the crowd because I know that you can make an argument, well, roster-wise, how much of a factor does the crowd play? They're professionals. It's the first regular season game in Canada in about a year and a half. I think that's huge. You? Yeah, I think, I think, that, I think the people are going to be super psyched up there. And it's not like Washington's a good road team. I mean, they had a lot of turnover during the offseason. They lost Westbrook. Then they're picking up Dimwitty, who I'm not sure how many minutes is going to play because it is his first regular season game since coming back from the ACL injury. Played a decent amount in preseason. I'm assuming he'll play 30 minutes. I know Beal had a bit of a knee issue, but he should be fine. Toronto, I think, is a sneaky bunch. They got a lot of young players who actually have looked pretty good so far in preseason, et cetera. And you got Nick Nurse against the first-time head coach in his first game on the road in Canada. No offense to Wes Unseld, he might be decent. I'll take Nurse every time. I'll take the Raptors. How big of a deal is it? Obviously not much of a deal at all that Sackham's out. Oh, I already knew he was going to be out, which I do think is a factor, but I do think that you're looking at who Washington's missing. They're going to be missing the likes of Bryant, who was their center from last year. They're missing Hachimura, who was COVID. Now, none of them are as good as Siakam, but I do know that Toronto is a very deep team if you look at their overall roster. They really have a decent amount of guys that you can throw in there. Are you a big Kuzma and Caldwell Pope guy? Because they're playing a decent amount of minutes. I just can't shake those guys. You got Montrose Harrell off the bench, who I like. I know his plus minus is never great because defensively he's a mess. But he's a good good bench scorer. But you're throwing out guys there like, as we mentioned, Kuzma and Caldwell Pope. And I don't know if it's just the Lakers or because ESPN would talk about him all the time for some reason. They're, they're not very good. Am, am I wrong? I, I don't think – I think Kuzma's okay at times. I was going to say, Kuzma, Kuzma has his moments. Caldwell Pope, I think, is just a 3 and D guy who occasionally can't shoot. Yep, absolutely. So, I think that Toronto has enough for them to win this game and cover by a low spread of 2.5. All right, very good. All right, Scott, well, it is that time. We have reached the moment in the show where we reveal our pick. You and I have put our heads together. 
We've come up with our very best play of the day. We've got a lot of opportunity here. It's it's almost the it's almost the sporting equinox. Scott will be the it'll be the sporting equinox tomorrow night. When you, Looking forward to it. When you've got the we got all you five. got the quad you got the quad. You got five, right? It's five. It's yeah. five or four. Uh, it's NHL, NBA, college football, NFL, NFL, MLB. Yeah, nice. five, all okay. five. So there you go. But for today, we're gonna have to get straw hats, buddy. We're gonna we're, we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get some straw hats for this segment. Let's find out what it is, my friend. Get on that John Deere, fire that bad boy up, folks, because it is time for the first ever live version of Bet the Farm. All right, Scott, we were looking to expand our farms yesterday. How did it go? Well, we had the Braves plus one and a half runs. So if even after blowing the lead, we still won the game. So All right, very good, my friend. So we've got another one cooked up for today. What is it? So we're going to the NBA. And we're looking at the Chicago Bulls, minus five, taking on the Detroit Pistons at minus 110 on DraftKings. Bulls made a lot of pretty solid moves during the offseason. They weren't afraid to splurge a little bit. They picked up Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. Of course, they're pairing them with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. They have a pretty solid starting lineup there. And they're looking at Detroit. We know that team was awful last year. They had the number one overall pick. However, speaking of the number one overall pick, I hope he has a nice suit on because he's not playing in this game. So Cade Cunningham is currently out. And I do think that with Killian Hayes taking over the majority of the minutes at the point, I just think Chicago is much more talented. The Pistons, I think, will be better than last year because they can't really get much worse. But the Bulls were very good in preseason. They killed a bunch of teams whenever they used their usual lineup. And I do think that with Alonzo, with DeRozan, with Levine and company, they just have too much firepower for this Pistons team to handle. Plus, the Bulls recently have been really, really good in this series. The Bulls are 7-0 ATS in the last seven meetings, and they are 4-0 ATS in the last four meetings in Detroit. I'm going to end up fading this Detroit team until I see Cunningham actually play because we saw last year this roster might have some young guys. They're still not very good. And Chicago might be a playoff team this year, and they're at full strength. For the most part, they're missing Kobe White, but still, I think the Bulls will win this game by at least seven points. All right, very good. You, you, no fear jumping in opening night NBA. We've seen nothing from either of these clubs, how the offseason pieces are going to fit. You don't care. I like that. I watched some preseason. The Bulls looked really good and the Pistons looked okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Preseason, that always perfect, perfect indicator of how the season's going to go. A little bit. Can't argue with that. All right, my friend. And uh, thanks for all the comments, guys. Thanks for, thanks for watching. I know I, I I'm going to get better. We're going to get better at, at uh, responding to the comments in real time. I know the uh, seems to be a lot of uh, under money on the on the coastal game, Scott. Does that surprise you? Uh, no, uh, because a you gave a thought about that yesterday, and b we gave a thought about it about ten minutes ago. There you go. We're big. We're, we're moving. We're big line movers. So yeah, jump on that now before before we drive that number up another another point and a half or so. Mm, so we'll see. All right, guys. Hey, that's going to do it for our bet the farm segment. That's going to do it. For the inaugural edition of Heading Back to the Window with Scott Steen and Scott Reichel, we appreciate you guys being with us today. Definitely do it. Make it part of your make it part of your afternoon. If you guys can hang out, comment, we'd love to hear from you. Um, thanks for being part of the uh, the first ever. We appreciate it. 
Good luck on all your plays tonight. Hope every one of those tickets in your pocket turns into cash money when you head back to the window. You guys take care.